Calcutta or Kolkata as it is known today holds a very important place in Freemasonry's beginnings in India. If you're wondering what's the connection, well then listen on. Fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you could join us on the Ashlers podcast, a space for the world's oldest fraternity to shine some light through Masonic paper readings, discussions, interviews, and more. Freemasonry is so old that our lifetime wouldn't be enough to capture its grandeur in the entirety. However, all things great should begin somewhere. And so we are thrilled to start off with Season 1, which will focus on Freemasonry and its roots in India, one state at a time. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely of the participants and do not represent any official positions, including those of any Grand Lodge or constitutions thereof. Best efforts have been made to keep the conversation on the level for brethren and non-Masons alike. Hey guys, before I begin today's topic, I want to let you know a little something about Hub Hopper Studio. You know, this podcast is hosted on Hub Hopper Studio. That is H-U-B-H-O-P-P-E-R studio.com. It is India's leading hosting and distribution platform for many podcasts. The platform is absolutely free and it helps me reach out to the right Indian audience by not only getting it on audio streaming platforms such as Spotify and Google Podcasts, but even on Indian platforms such as Ghana, Wink Music and many more. Welcome folks to the Ashlers podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on our podcast as a listener. And in case you are new to our podcast, I would highly recommend listening episodes one and two. They lay down the foundation of what this podcast is all about, what Freemasonry is all about, and also addresses some very common myths that is, you know, uh, associated with Freemasonry. So definitely check those out. Only then will the rest of this actually make sense to you. With that being said, I would like to start our third episode. And I am Shishir. And I'm Rinesh. Hey, Rinesh. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, before we jump into the main topic, you know, there's one thing important uh, that I want to bring up. Uh, So I'm actually planning to migrate over to a different place to, you know, sort of try my luck and start life afresh. But I'm quite apprehensive. I'm not too sure of, you know, the new area, new food, people. Uh, Not many of us are there. So... Uh, do you have any pointers that will help calm my nerves down a little bit, I hope? <laughs> no, I completely agree. I was in that situation when I was thinking of going, well, when I actually went to UK for my further education and uh, same thought actually went in my head. Uh, 
आई नो आई जस्ट वेंट विद जो होगा देखा जाएगा टाइप्स who among your college guys are actually there in case if somebody is there you can reach out to some your alumni and find out if anybody is over there at that moment or maybe from our from our area itself yeah and well there may be some brethren there too right i mean oh yeah good oh yeah, yeah. maybe oh. i could join their <laughs> yes. lodges or maybe start exactly. who knows <laughs> yeah that's absolutely that right yeah and so folks if you guys are wondering why are we rambling on on something which is completely disconnected well let me assure you it's not just imagine this same conversation that you know a fictitious situation that we both were talking about just imagine this happening somewhere in the 1700s back in the european countries where people got to know of india's wealth and prosperity and decided to you know sort of come over here and try their luck of course it's a vested interest right but then again who doesn't have vested interests uh, for whatever reason they did come here but apart from chasing wealth and a good life they also brought along with them uh, a hope that you know when they travel through the you know sea route and 1700s there were no aeroplanes back then right there was just ships so obviously they'll have to have a sea voyage brave the deep sea and its perils and make it to india a place completely unfamiliar to them different food i mean you can call roti as baked flat bread but it's roti <laughs> whereas in the uk bread is bread right so yes. different kind of experience and obviously you would be worried about your own survival it's a matter of life and death quite literally And, and and you know what she said the most important mm-hmm. they won't even know the language exactly and uh, forget about language that is one big barrier in itself even the weather for that matter like england is yes. you know you see the weather of england it's very different as compared to what's in india i mean in india has a plethora of you know uh, <laughs> different weather systems by itself the country is so big you go up yes. north and it's like uh, scotland you come down south and it's you know hot and humid right. but then caribbean you know, island yeah the bahamas for, for if you will like you know otherwise so just imagine if you think of you know migrating to such a place what do you think would give you solace or even confidence or comfort that you know when you come to a place like this you just might survive well the hope that there might be more people uh, of not just your country but also on you know on the lines of your beliefs let's put it that way and you know such people are there and you know you could always commune with them and be with them and they support you and you support them maybe that is something that might give you a lot more confidence so with that folks uh, we start our episode with that as a premise there's a nice interesting uh, you know facts from history that ranesh is going to share with you and with that ranesh i leave the floor open to you please take us on the journey of where freemasonry began in india 
thank you shishir for uh, laying down the groundwork as uh, listeners have heard right uh, you are thinking of moving to a different place and you are worried about how exactly things are going to be what exactly what exactly am i going to face do i know those people obviously the language is different the food is different the climate is different and you have no idea and by the way the biggest the biggest uh, hurdle for them is the entire voyage coming all the way from england all the way to india was like it doesn't take like 3 months or 2 months it takes months it actually takes almost a year if i'm not wrong uh so it it's not going to be that easy and then just imagine coming to an alien land which you don't know anything about then what will you do now that is exactly what the premise is all about now why exactly did the european seafaring nations mostly uh, they actually came to india because it was the legendary wealth which they knew about india was known for its uh, cotton after some time but india was known for its riches with it came to precious stones the culture which we had the the diversity which we actually had at that time there were a lot of things which every other nation at that moment wanted to the spices my goodness people really gone went crazy just to get these things and they actually came all the way here and I, if i'm not wrong vasco da gama was one of the first few europeans who actually found a sea route to india which was much easier compared to what we were actually going through rather than trying to do all those uh, the history we all know about that part and that kind of opened the gateway for a lot of european countries to come to india to actually trade with us to try to uh, get certain things out of it now this is where there is a small tweak in that information uh, we had freemasonry back in europe at that time this was by the way back in the 1700s when obviously freemasonry was being developed and uh, it kind of got a proper path and all those things and then most of these uh, brethren over there like they were obviously part of uh, like for british they were part of the east india company or the same thing for the dutch and the same thing for portuguese and france so these guys obviously came to india they kind of felt that kind uh, that connection which was missing and that missing feature for them was freemasonry so what did they do they started opened the lodge in our country in india they actually opened up a lodge they got in their guys who were obviously part of uh, freemason lodges back in their country they obviously said guys now we can actually enjoy like do the fraternity here itself and not have to worry about when will we go back and when will we get to see my friends and everything uh listeners remember this that's what freemasonry is all about that's what we've been trying to tell right from the beginning it's all about that camaraderie which we have with each other it's all about the friendship which we have with each other it's the brotherly love the 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 feeling of belonging to that one group of human beings trying to help each other trying to make our life better and that is something that bond is something which is very difficult to break and people who actually go away from it like the most of the europeans who actually went away from it because freemasonry was there in their country but it was not in india they thought well why do we have to wait for it let's bring it here and that's when it started and i think one of those first few places where it actually started was which is basically the answer to our questions which we've been asking was calcutta or kolkata so apparently back in 1730 the east indian company who were actually uh, stationed in calcutta at that time had their first one of their first few freemason meetings in fort william uh, i think the number given to that lodge and by the way the number here means it's kind of like a roll number for them to understand who's who and everything in their entire registry like the way we actually have ours in our school registry or a college registry so their number was supposed to be 72 guys you can imagine that is this was just around i think like 15 17 15 years later 1717 is when the official grand lodge of uh, london was actually formed 
the name uh, forgetting the name aspect of it it's technically called the grand lodge of england or the premier grand lodge of england at that time so these were the the heads of all the lodges which used to take care of all the administrative purposes and ensure that everybody goes through a formal process and everything this was back in 1770 and in 1730 we have one of the first freemason lodge held outside of england which was uh, held in india which was in port williams in calcutta Uh, I, I, as per what I have heard and what I've, oh sorry, what I've read, this was somewhere in the year 1720 when the Grand Master of uh, the Grand Lodge of England at that time actually authorized a person saying that you have my uh, kind of like a blessing or like my approval to go and start a Freemasonry lodge in Bengal in Calcutta, and that in 1730 we got it. But just to move ahead a little bit, it is actually not just them. We had lodges by the Portuguese. we had freemason lodges by the french we had freemason lodges even by danish people in india and at all different places uh, if if we ever actually see the map of india at that time when all these european nations actually were colonizing and were obviously trading with india they mostly will be in the coastal area and that's exactly where the freemason lodges were chishu do you want to add something to this point yeah i just wanted to bring up the human aspect of this entire journey Um, yes. you know the the fact that different countries the danes french and portuguese english all of these guys came over to our country but they all also brought along the ideals of freemasonry and set up lodges in in india and you know that shows the commonality of you know uh, of this particular fraternity the the fact that everyone still held the ideals of freemasonry among themselves though being from different countries talks actually volumes about what the craft is all about and how it transcends the idea the you know political ideologies or the boundaries so to speak of you know country and culture and what not and just see that you know all these guys came here they set up lodges then england finally says okay you can set up lodges outside of england and still yes. be affiliated to you know the grand lodge of england and we had our first lodge in bengal in kolkata that's exactly in itself uh, you know like how a tree sets root that's where freemasonry established itself and you know slowly but surely spread across to the point where from you know the close to mid 1700s to today 2020 yes and me and renesh you know <laughs> again in, in a different part of this country but still call ourselves as masons which is a matter of yes. pride for me uh, to be honest yeah renesh uh, and and to add to that one right like the first lodge went obviously started in calcutta in fort william 17 in 1730 uh, i think they used to be called as lodge east india arms or considering the fact that they were part of the east india company at that time uh, they used to actually meet somewhere near the old courthouse uh, personally i have not been to calcutta uh, as of now but I, i i know for a fact that if i ever go there i would actually be trying to look for all these things and maybe i'll reach out to a brother over there and ask them to like can you just show me the history of this place or like where the freemasons were used to meet and what used to happen by the way uh, funny uh, not not funny but very important fact the old courthouse is situated right at the northeast corner of the dalhousie square uh people who are obviously members of uh, this group they obviously know where i'm going with people who are not you can ask the question next time uh going from there we move on to a lodge which is named star in the east 
the number of that launch at that time was 67. I know people will be thinking we already had 72. Now what happened to 67? I'm assuming I I don't have much information about them, and I'm open, obviously, trying to figure out or trying to understand all these things. But I'm assuming maybe that uh, the launch number 72 must have winded up everything and must have like gone back, uh, back to UK or something like that. But somewhere down the line, we have started the East number 67. This was warranted, or this was actually constituted back in 1740. Guys, this lodge is still active. It is two hundred and eighty years old. Shishir, what do you want to say about that? Two hundred and eighty. This is beyond amazing. Imagine being part of that lodge, man. The kind of architecture, exactly. the paintings which would be there in the lodge. Wow, I would love to go to that lodge just to see. <laughs> And I can't be part of it now, but yeah, I would love to at least see that lodge once. Absolutely, I know. I knew one guy who was actually a member of a lodge in Bombay, and then suddenly he said that I would like to join Star in the East. I'm like, why? What? I said, Dinesh, that's the oldest lodge in the country. I'm like, wow. That no, you know that kind of a feeling, that historical, uh, the tidbit information which we get, and sometimes when we feel that, oh wow, we are actually connected to this. This is something which is not unique to us, but it is very special for us. We actually have people who might have said that, uh, like a father would come up and tell my uh, tell his son that, look, you know what? I have actually studied here. I would like my son and my daughter to also study in the same school. So that kind of culture comes, that kind of tradition comes, and that's exactly what this lodge actually is has imbibed on those people. Guys, just imagine within 20 years from now, they will be celebrating 300 years, and I personally would love to be part of that celebration if they ever have any. Uh, and obviously, start in the east. Number 67 is still there. You guys can reach out. You can actually search about it, and you should be able to find some information. If not, please reach out to us. We will obviously give you that info. From there, I would like to come to another lodge called Lodge Anchor and Hope. Uh, this number is around 234 as per the English Constitution, but there is something unique about it. You know, uh, at 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 one point of time, we obviously had lodges from all these European countries in India. Uh, somewhere down the line, what happened is we had uh, uh, remaining, as in after a point of time, there were only lodges from England, Scotland, and Ireland. After independence, obviously the discussion happened that we should actually have our own grand lodge, which should take care of all the lodges which is there in our country. And the topic started discussing, and all those things happened. And somewhere in the 1960, that idea kind of got framed, and everybody was like on board to that. So somewhere in 1961, uh, don't we don't need to really worry about the dates and all. But somewhere in the end of 1961, the grand lodge of India was formed, and they had requested all the lodges which were there in our country to become part of it. And I'm using the word request over here. It was not like a force or a compulsion. Everybody had a choice. If you want, you can continue staying with your own Grand Lodge, which was part of England, Scotland, and Ireland, or you can obviously move to Grand Lodge of India. Uh, most of the lodges, I, I don't know the exact number of how many lodges were there in the country at that time, but at least 140 lodges actually moved in to become part of the Grand Lodge of India. The oldest lodge in that list was called Lodge Anchor and Hope, and Lodge Anchor and Hope was the number one lodge. It's it has the roll number as number one as part of the Grand Lodge of India, and Shishir over here will tell us what exactly is unique about Lodge Anchor and Hope apart from it being the oldest lodge under the Grand Lodge of India. Well, a couple of things. Okay, one is it was one of the first ones to join the Grand Lodge of India, and by the way, the lodges myself and Rinesh are part of are also under the Grand Lodge of India. But yes. beyond that, there's also something very special and something I personally take pride in uh, knowing of. and that is swami vivekananda was part of that lodge i love that fact <laughs> yes exactly so listeners you must have heard it but here we are actually telling you swami vivekananda 
was actually a freemason it is said that he actually understood a lot about things obviously from his guru but freemasonry also helped him see I'm, we we are not here to come up and say yeah freemasonry definitely helped him and he got like 100% of his ideas from us no not, not nothing of that sort we don't know about it as i said I, I, as i always think about it we were never there at that situation to even gauge whether the history was right or wrong or what it is we can only go through the books so what we have also found out we what we have found out is that swami vivekananda learned a lot of things about uh, the way of life about how good things are and what he has actually taught all of us through some bits and pieces from freemasonry and imagine being a member of a lodge lodge anchor and hope where swami vivekananda himself was a member that is something which you have to be proud of and i'll just add to that um, you know what swami vivekananda took from masonry is not really important uh, to rinesh's point how much freemasonry helped him well neither of us are aware of that no we are not even from that era but exactly. the point being that you know we know him today and we you know look at him uh, with high regards i think speaks by itself he made himself a better person and i think that's what you know uh, one of the main ideals of masonry also is all about uh, you know making good men better so that's i think right. he has personified he has lived through and made an example of you know that ideal i think that is the important message here what we're trying to put across that's that's absolutely right and to add to that shishir one more thing uh, obviously when this freemasonry group actually came into india they uh, initially had only members obviously from their country uh, or who were already members of uh, freemason lodges back in their country uh, there were also some of the folks who actually came here as part of uh, profession like most of the scottish guys who actually came into the country were like doctors lawyers uh, experts engineers and everybody and some of them when they realized that they actually have to come here to india and they realized that there is a freemason lodge here so obviously they used to actually get affiliated back in their country and move here that's how uh, most of the regimental guys here right like uh, most of the people who were actually part of the military at that time they all became kind of members my lodge as a matter of fact is called lodge united services you guys can understand the meaning of united services we actually had members of uh, uh, the armed forces the air force and the navy as well uh, shishir's lodge lodge star of the south was actually part of the scottish uh, era so it has a it has a very scottish kind of a feeling towards it and it's fun to be part of such thing and each lodge actually carries that kind of history each lodge actually has that kind of a uniqueness which is and still in spite of all that uniqueness we all come under that one banner of being brother and we ensure that we take care of each other uh with that note as a matter of fact just to add to this the first indian freemason was umdat al umra he was the nawab of karnataka the second indian freemason was a common man called bande ali khan who was initiated in calcutta itself so you can imagine we have a nawab and a common man all part of a fraternity where it really doesn't matter how exactly we stand because we all stand in the level and uh, adding to that ranesh there's uh, one more important person i think we should mention uh, do you want to talk about uh, pc datta oh that guy i think he is the persona of uh, tenacious 
uh, when I read about him for the first time, I think this was obviously when uh, I was actually sitting in my lodge and a, a, a person along with me who was also getting joining. He was like, guys, you know what Unish they are doing right now? I said, what? They are voting for us. I'm like, wow, that's cool. But can you imagine our fate like PC Dutta? I said, like, I don't know about PC Dutta much, but could you like tell me? He was actually blackballed nine times. Uh, listeners, the word blackballed is actually taken from Freemasonry. You can search about it and you will find more information on that. But this fellow tried joining a lodge the first time. Somebody said no. He tried joining the second time. Somebody again said no. He tried joining third, the fourth, fifth. You can imagine. And by the way, the duration between joining from the first time and applying for the joining again the second time is one year. So this fellow literally, I think, tried almost around nine years to join a lodge. Now, many of you people will be thinking, why Why was he actually stopped? What, what, what was going on? Honestly, I don't know. Because it is not like clearly mentioned in any in, in any note or in a report where it is mentioned why he was not allowed. They had, maybe they had their own apprehension. Maybe they felt that this guy was not right enough or something like that. But forget all of that. And Once Rinesh, when he became a premium. Uh, yes. Rinesh, just, uh, just to add one context to it. This is, so P, uh, brother PC Datta goes back many, many, many years. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, 1700. <laughs> this, all, 1800, yeah, this is around. Yeah, this is around that time, just for people yeah, to know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a, you don't, please don't think that it was actually happening recently and that's why I will also have to go through that ordeal. No, nothing of that sort. So this fellow obviously uh, took some time and then when he became a Freemason, he came to the level of becoming a head or basically care, taking care of the District Grand Lodge of Bengal at that time. And that uh, this District Grand Lodge ranged all the way from the Gulf country to Hong Kong. So you can imagine the breadth of that entire location which he was taking care of. So all the lodges literally used to report to him. They used to actually come out to him and reach out to him for any problems and anything. And he used to literally foresee, oversee everything about it. So you can imagine, uh, uh, Shishir, I think you should actually think about the person who actually said no to him for the first or second time. <laughs> I know, they should have been kicking themselves thinking that they should have got him much earlier. And you oh know, my. they literally uh, stalled a gem of a person, but it's good that they finally accepted him. And yes. uh, yeah, so uh, with that, uh, you know, Rinesh, I think we are coming to a close of our episode. Um, so to give a quick summary of what Rinesh has you know, shared with us, the bottom line is that masonry came to India and took root in Kolkata. And from there, like a tree, it spread its branches far and wide. And under the cooling shadow of that you know, uh, solemn tree is where all of us uh, sort of congregate and call ourselves Freemasons. So with that, I wish everyone a very good uh, day, wherever you are on this planet. And thank you, Rinesh, for your time and, you know, the amazing uh, tidbits of information that you've shared with us. Uh, folks, uh, this is our third episode. And uh, today is the first state that we have covered in this season. So like I mentioned earlier, we cover the spread of Freemasonry in India, one state at a time. So we start where it all started, that is West Bengal. And from there, Rinesh, uh, do you want to give a, a little hint as to where we are traveling next? Oh, yes. Uh, as I said earlier, right, the colonial powers obviously were in the coastal area. So the next stop will be down south. Awesome. So with that note, I thank everyone once again. Please feel free to interact with us, ask us questions. We would love to clarify your doubts. Our uh, social media handles are in the description. 
So check that out. We are on Facebook and Instagram and we have an email as well. So feel free to, you know, reach out to us. At the end of the day, any initiative uh, is, uh, you know, going to die a slow death if it does not interact with people who, you know, look up to it or who look forward to it. So your feedback will be really important. I'm not saying that we have the best of uh, production uh, quality here. But then again, the intention is not the production quality. It is more on spreading a positive message and the right message about masonry. So, so long as you guys get that, I think our job is done. So with that note, thanks everyone once again, signing off from Shishir. And from Rinesh. Well, that just about wraps it up, folks. We sincerely hope that you liked our episode and got a glimpse into the fascinating world of Freemasonry. And what better way than to hear about it from those who are the humble members of the gentle craft. If you have any queries about what we shared on this episode or generally on this podcast or even about Freemasonry, please check out the show notes for links to the Grand Lords of India's website or feel free to write us an email. Please do look forward to the next episode.